Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Educators Podcast. Just a few quick announcements before our conversation today with Eric Reyes. I will be hosting our first virtual event, the Edge of Greatness Summit. This will be a free event, September 2nd through 4th. I'm planning on having between 12 and 15 presenters, and you can sign up today through a link that will be in the show notes. I think this is going to be a fantastic event and something that you will get a lot of value from based on the confirmed presenters to this point. Secondly, I've started an Edge of Greatness newsletter that will be bi-monthly. I believe this is another perfect opportunity for you to keep up to date with future events, as well as some of the specials that go on throughout the year. I will also share various stories of greatness that I experienced throughout my life living here in Columbus, Ohio, that often get overlooked. And I think that this is an opportunity for you to see the world through my eyes and get some stories on what I believe greatness looks like. And this is just another free value give that's something I think will be awesome to gain knowledge and have an opportunity to grow your expertise in greatness as well. Lastly, my book, Be Great, has been getting a lot of amazing feedback, which I am so appreciative of. If you have had a chance to read it, I would love to hear what you think. If you have not, there will be a link in the show notes that will give you an opportunity to purchase it, and then hopefully you can give me some feedback then. So uh, either way, I do sincerely appreciate all of the support. It has been an amazing journey so far. Now, let's get to today's conversation with Eric Reyes. Be a sponge and then bring the juice. focusing on your improvement by focusing on your progress and eliminating any fixed mindset that you may have and acts of perfectionism, then you encourage your own mastery. On some level, we do what we want to do 24 hours a day. Now, sometimes it may not seem like that, like, but if I'm choosing to work instead of sleep, what I'm actually saying is keeping my job is more important than sleeping. I'm tired of this. Like, it's just like, I'm tired of getting beat. What can I do to get over this hump? So mentally, that's when I kind of put that, that forefront, like, hey, it's either all or nothing. I, I, I like to put failure in quotations because I don't believe that failure is true failure if you're looking at it with the right mindset. The truth is the journey to greatness is hard. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes focus, and every day you have to decide what you value, what you want to pursue, and what you want to achieve. And if you dig deep enough, if you push hard enough, we all have what it takes to be Welcome to the Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Educators Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Schultz, and today I am joined by a very special friend, Eric Reyes, coach and host of the Hey Coach Podcast. Eric, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for uh, inviting me to your show. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk because you and I have some very similar experiences and we've got a chance to talk to some pretty incredible people, which I think only shapes us and who we become. So what I'm really curious about, though, is you started on a different path when you first started into business and in the business world. But I want to know what changed in your life in 2017 that made you decide to start to pursue a career in coaching? Well, it's funny. I always love sports and just Growing up, I love sports and I just actually never went to a school that really had sports as a number one thing. I grew up in Manhattan in the city. 
not a lot of green space. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I always had the passion for sports. And um, then I, I got into business and I just started working, but I always had that passion. And it was when my kids, when I started having kids, the football passion came in and I started to want to coach and I started coaching them as they grew older. And then I got an opportunity to coach at the high school level. Uh, one of the coaches that I coached with called me up one day and said, do, do you want to coach high school? And I'm like, I'd love to coach high school. So they had a freshman team and I coached the freshman team. And the best thing was that you got paid to do it. Like I would have done it for free, but if you're going to pay me, then <laughs> I'll take that also. <laughs> was it hard to walk away from the normal nine to five to go into the world of coaching? Uh, actually I did them both. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so I was a commodity trader. So if you ever watch uh, trading places with uh, Eddie Murphy, I was one of those guys screaming and yelling in the ring and uh, going crazy. And then by, at the end of the day, I get in my car. I actually get on the train, get in the uh, go, come up, change my clothes and then go and coach the kids. So I did that for about uh, seven years doing both. And uh, I'll tell you, it was great because it was a great outlet from the stress of work to coming in and just coaching and molding these, these, these young kids. It, it was awesome. Do you feel like your ability to manage stress has changed since going into the coaching world from just being a businessman all the time? Uh, yes. Yes. Because before, when, it, when I didn't coach, I had all this stress. It was built up. There was no real outlet for it. And eventually it would start like eating up at me. And I, you know, I, my wife would say something and I would jump on her. And I thought maybe if I played softball, I can do that. And it did a little bit, but it didn't do as much. But when I got onto the field and started coaching kids, it made such a world of a difference because you hear one, you, you're teaching them, you're, you're, helping these kids but you're also hearing stories that kind of puts you in perspective like wait a minute you know what my life is pretty good and i have nothing to 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 be mad and and keep it in me when some of these kids are coming from homes that you know they're having some tough times what is it about coaching that calls to you um, it's definitely not uh, the dealing with the parents and the, <laughs> the administration, <laughs> but knowing that I'm affecting these kids' lives, like the X's and O's, that's, that's something different. I mean, you're going to win, you're going to lose, that's, that's something different. But when, when a kid comes to you from outside, when you're in a store and they, hey, coach, and they come over with a big smile on their face, you know, that you can't buy that. And when you find out that the kid went to college or is in his own business or is doing great and that you had a small, just a small piece of that, you know, maybe that little talk or you just recognizing them did something, you know, you, you just can't buy that. And then you just want more of it. I agree. I actually, um, so obviously there's the news of the uh, JMU player that 
has recently passed away. So the other day I went through my phone and literally texted all of my past athletes just to say, hi, I'm thinking about you and what's going on and getting some of the responses back. Like you said, Hey, I miss you. It's great to hear from you. Thanks for checking in those little things like that. I mean, it really does go all the way for me as far as what it's about. And and I think that's a, a fantastic reason to be in it. So when you're working with these kids, how do you define success? I find I define success as the people around you. And, you know, I just just a little story. I uh, one day coming from work, driving up to uh, to, to practice, uh, I take the train and then there's about a 10 minute drive from the train station to the, the school. And there was the traffic was backed up. And I was like, I can't believe this. This is crazy. I, I was so angry. And then I find out that there was, it was a, a funeral procession. And there was only like one or two cars behind the hearse. And I started to think, I said, you know, I wonder if people just don't know that this person passed away or they didn't affect the people, as many people around them. And I started thinking, am I going to be someone that people care that when I pass away, if Eric Ray has passed away, oh, oh well. And I said, you know what? I want a mile long procession. I want to affect so many people that they care. And to me, success is growing that group of people. And the only way to grow that group of people is by helping as many people as you can. So to me, like success is is building a a bond of people around you and and helping them and growing them. Do you use that when it comes to creating a bond within your team structure as far as the culture that you work with? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I always tell the players when we first start right in the beginning, I said, these are the people who should be as important to you right on the field as you are at home. I said an offensive line, the only way an offensive line works well is if you have the trust and the faith that the guy on the left to you and the guy on the right of you are going to do 100% of their work and that you can do your job without having to worry about the other guys. And I think that as long as you can get that feeling of teamwork and family and that everyone matters, even the guys in the sideline, that everyone matters, you know, your team will be successful. Wins or losses, that's going to happen. You can do everything right on the field and still lose a game. So you got to have that, that, that structure and that, that bond. What are some ways that you create buy-in from the people who are on the bench or role players and not necessarily the star, which everybody nowadays wants to be? How do you help them buy into what you're trying to build? Well, one of the things is I take the leaders of the team and the guys who are really good, and I kind of tell them, look, these guys who are not getting the time are on the sidelines 
rooting you guys on. So what you guys have to do is when you're on the sideline, you need to talk to them, teach them. And then when they get their opportunity to get on the, on the field, not to be talking to each other, you need to be on that sideline, rooting them on. You're like that third, fourth, fifth, sixth coach. You know, not to get on them, not to scream at them, but to be there for them. Like, it's, it's great, like on football, it's great to have 11 coaches on the field. You know, on baseball, nine coaches on the field is better than two in the dugout. <laughs> that, no, that's for sure. That is for sure. So me and you, we both kind of started the podcasting around the same time. I find that kind of interesting. Again, like I said before, we have a lot of things in common. What was it that led you to wanting to get behind a microphone and start talking to people? Well, it happened around COVID time. Um, I was closing my business. Uh, actually, a year prior, I was closing my, my business on, on the commodity exchange. And I was looking for something else. And while I was looking for something else, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I was dealing with a lot of that and trying to, um, to find where I fit in. And then after her, her last chemo treatment, she, uh, she was cancer-free, thank God. And she gets let go of work the next day. And I started to scramble, so I looked for some form of work, but I, want, I was still looking for something that, that drove the passion in me. And one of the things that I found was that while I was working and while I was coaching, I found that there was a lot of similarities within the two, the two things. It's pretty much teamwork and leadership and culture and all these things. And I said, you know what? Maybe I can help people who are transitioning know that if they play the sport, that they know some business. And so when COVID hit, everything shut down, all my leads finished. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put a podcast together and I'm just going to teach these lessons. And while I started teaching the lessons, I started to get some guests to come on. And I found that the more people heard other people's stories of their transitioning, then they might be thinking, hey, I can do that. So instead of just hearing Eric transitioning, then I said, wait, maybe, hold on, maybe Charles, like, well, he, he transitioned, he's in baseball, this guy's in football, this guy's a rodeo. All these people transitioned, maybe, maybe I can do this. So I thought maybe if I put them out there, there'll be hope for, for others. I love that. I love that. So tell me about your process for finding guests then, because it sounds like a lot of them have similarities that you're looking for to share your message for what to do next. What's your process for finding guests look like? Well, the first thing is networking. You know, as you get guests on, you know, I, I asked them, I said, do you, do you know people who have really good stories of transitioning people who have, who are either in the journey or, or are ready to start the journey. I ask them that. I go on LinkedIn and I look at people who have stories, who, have, who are ex-athletes, and I reach out to them also. Um, I also go like on Clubhouse every so often. I look to see on Clubhouse if there's groups of athletes 
speaking. And so I, I just grab onto that. And then a couple of people reach out now to me, which is actually pretty cool. <laughs> Was there any fear in reaching out to people that you didn't know? Oh yeah. In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, I I was like, who am I? I'm a high school coach, <laughs> you know, from Wall Street. Who am I reaching out to these, these top level athletes? But as I started doing it and hearing all these athlete stories, I started to think, well, they need to be they need to be heard. They have a story to tell. And if one person if it clicks for one person, then it's worth it. So now my mindset is I'm helping people. I'm out there looking to get the stories out. I'm not looking for anything else other than to get their stories out. And maybe that one person will send me an email saying, thanks. I heard so-and-so and it changed my life. How do you use your ability to have overcome this fear or this imposter syndrome kind of feeling that you had? to help your athletes who are probably de dealing with something similar, being that they're in high school, they're maturing, they don't know who they are, they don't know what they're doing next. How do you use your experiences in that realm to help them on their journey? Well, one is I let them know my story. You know, my, my first time coaching in high school, I was coaching the rec league and then I went to high school. And I, in my head, I was like, do I really know? <laughs> enough to teach a high school football. And I let them understand that that's always going to be with them. It's not something that you overcome and then it never, it never comes back to you. Every time you do something new, you're going to have that, that fear that will people show up or, you know, why are they going to listen to me? You're always going to get it. It's what you do when you get that feeling you can quit it's easy to quit but when you do it the first time and then you do it the second time now when that fear comes it's like oh i know what that is i push it to the side let's let's move forward i love that i think that's such a valuable lesson because i think a lot of times we get that feeling of fear we get that doubt and we go eh, maybe this isn't the right path and we shy away from that discomfort instead of leaning into it. And I think that there's so much value in taking the tough road, doing the hard things and putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations. Can you tell me about a time where you were so uncomfortable initially, but then at the end of it all, the lessons you learned or the change after the event or a moment was super impactful for you? Oh, I, I can tell you the, the biggest one, <laughs> which was when I first, <laughs> when I first started trading, Okay. right. Um, there's a whole process when you, I was moving up in, in the commodity industry and then the company that I worked for said, we're going to put you in the ring and trade. Now, again, if you ever look at trading places, it's screaming and yelling, it's very high stress. So I went through the training. And my first day, I actually didn't think I was going to have to go into the ring because you usually, they gradually put you into, into the ring. Well, no, I have a customer who was a really good friend of mine. He, uh, we became very good friends because I was on the phone with him every day. And he tells the owner of the company, put him in the ring and you get on the phone with me. And as soon as the bell rang to trade, 
they just started bombarding me with with trades. I was sweating. I was nervous. I wanted to throw up, screaming and yelling. And I was like, I should just leave. I'm just going to drop everything and leave. And it took so much for me to just stay in there and just go for it. And eventually I started to calm down and then everything started to flow. And I think that a lot of times that step, put your toe in the water kind of thing just doesn't work. Sometimes you just got to jump in the water and learn how to swim. And that's, I think if I would have just slowly got in, I wouldn't have done as well as just being put into the fire right away. That's an interesting thought because I, you know, a lot of people don't want to be thrust into the deep end. They want to know that they have their little floaties or their safety wings, and they want to make sure that they can touch the edge of the pool. But what value do you have if you feel safe? What, what, what do you get from a moment that you don't feel challenged? Do you think that there's lessons to be learned by being in that deep end that are more valuable than being safe? How do you feel about that? No, I, you know, I think that there's something to be said about burning the boat. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm going to own a business, I don't know if I'm going to give it a hundred percent. If I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, if I know that, well, I have something on the side here so that if it, if it doesn't work, then to have the idea of saying, I need this business to work. And I'm going to keep moving on. And if by chance it doesn't fail, then I'll, I'll cross that bridge when it gets there, but I'm going to give it my all, you know, too many times that, that safety rope, it holds you back. The, the rope's only a certain amount of a certain length. And at a certain point, you need to let it go to keep going. And, um, I, I don't like the safety rope. I, I think that you need to like, kind of, Give it your all. Your mind has to be into it 100%. That reminds me a lot of, I was actually listening to Denzel Washington's commencement speech from, I think it was 2011 at Penn. Right. And in it, he's talking about how a lot of kids and a lot of people have like backup plans or fallback plans. And he goes, I don't believe in falling back. I want to fall forward. And right. that, that to me, what you just said reminds me a lot of that speech. And I think that's so much, there's so much value in that is, if you're not giving hundred percent, you're going to get less than hundred percent results. And I think that that's a huge piece of all this. So tell me what led you now to starting this new project of yours with assert. Well, it was always something that I had in the back of my mind. Uh, when I started coaching pop Warner football, the head coach who ran the whole pop Warner organization used to teach kids their positions by using four words, alignment, stance, responsibility, and technique. And so I found that I said, oh, well, that's, that's pretty easy. And that's probably an easy thing to teach kids mm -hmm. is to use that. And as I kept using it, I found that it really worked at my, my, my job because I was in charge of the operations for the, for the, uh, for the company. And I found that 
you need to get the right people around you alignment. You know, you guys, you had to stand for something. Our, our company always stood for integrity, honesty, um, responsibility, making sure that everybody knew what their jobs were and what they were responsible for throughout the day and throughout the month and technique, how they were going to do it. So I found that the whole um, alignment stance, responsibility and technique worked on both in both areas. And then when I started researching some more, I thought, well, there was two other things that kind of help success, which is your strengths and your experiences or other people's experiences. And so when I started messing around with it, it spelt assert. And I was like, you know what? This, this, this is a great success principle in life, business, sports is assert yourself. I like that. I like that. So what all have you been doing with this new project and how have you been applying assert? Well, now I've been in the process of writing a book, following your footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see my book behind you. So I, I'm pretty excited yeah. about that. I'm having a conversation and my book's in the background. That's the first. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's on top also, just to yeah. let you know. <laughs> there you go. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I, I've... Um, I started writing, writing my book. I have also put a summit together, which just uh, passed, which I got a lot of speakers, some of that you, that you know, uh, to talk about the different aspects of each one of the, uh, the, the, uh, the steps. And I'm gonna start to see if I can do some training on coaching people who are maybe stuck in, in a rut, who are, thinking about transitioning and using those principles to help them move forward. I love that. How did the summit go for you? What did you oh, feel about your experience? Oh, it went really well. Again, when we were talking about the, uh, not feeling like you were ready. I'm not, I forgot the word that you, that you said, the, uh, um, oh, the imposter syndrome, the imposter syndrome. <laughs> I'm like, why are people going to listen to me? And um, what I did is actually Tammy Matheny, who I think introduced us originally, uh, she is my accountability coach. And we get together maybe every other week, we, we Zoom call and we get together. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm having this real problem. And we got together and she says, why are you feeling this? And we talked it out. And we move forward. So like I said, it was, it, I still have that. And, and so for people who think that, that this goes away, no. Every time you try to achieve something new, you're, you're going to feel that. And so, um, so no, it went really well for, the, for, my first, for my first summit. We had a, a, a nice group of people come on. And uh, I'm looking forward to like next year, maybe doing it again next year and, and having a bigger thing and maybe actually do it live maybe one day. That'd be, that'd be pretty incredible. You mentioned accountability coach. How long have you worked with somebody as an accountability coach? Oh, I started uh, with Tammy. I started about um, roughly about six, seven months ago. Okay. Um, I found that I was being a little overwhelmed with, the different projects and things that I were I was doing, and uh, I reached out to Tammy because she was somebody who I, I felt comfortable with, 
And I said, look, I need someone to help me become, uh, to be accountable with these projects and to help me keep focused. And she said, I'll only do it if you do it for me because I'm having the same problem. So we were like, awesome. And I'm telling you, it, it works wonders. I'm glad that she actually answered that way because with both of you being coaches, I have always believed that a coach also needs a coach. Like our job is to help people and to coach people, but who's coaching us and who's helping us. And there is so much value in having a coach, whether you're a young player, an old coach, a retired coach, whatever it may be, we can all continue to grow from that experience. So tell me, how do you feel about your growth since having got yourself a coach? Oh, it's, it's beyond belief what, what I was able to do because not only am I more organized because I know that in two weeks I need to talk to Tammy and I have to tell her what I didn't do and what I did do. <laughs> and we, we, we set, we set like very little guidelines. The only thing I told her is I want you to be brutally honest with me. I said, don't candy coat things. If, if I'm supposed to do something, I want you to ask me why I didn't do it. And that that was not a good excuse. And because of that, it puts me on task with everything that I need to get done. And because I'm doing that, I'm actually, not that I'm doing more, but I'm more present in what I'm doing because I want it to be done well so that when I meet her the next time, I can tell her, hey, I did this and it went perfectly. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are some of the things on your plate right now that you're being held accountable for? Well, I have my podcast, which okay. I, other than once in the coming into the hundredth episode coming soon, uh, I've only missed one week. So That's making sure that yeah. every week I have either a guest or something to talk about. Uh, the next thing is networking, taking time out to actually network, to reach out to people. Um, even to people who I may have spoken to before, just to touch base with them and see what they're up to and if there's anything I can do to help them. Uh, then also now starting my book and also the website, the, the website that I have. And I have a clothing line that... I've been working on, which it was something I worked on even before the pandemic, pandemic and all, uh, a line called Fertile Minds. And I've always had that on and I was on and off, but when I, Tammy came around, now it was something that I had to be now be accountable for. I love so that. I got a lot of things on the plate. Yeah, no, it is, it's a lot but it sounds like you feel comfortable with the amount of things and the time that you have allotted to get things done. 
And I think that's the big thing with the coaching aspect is it, it feels to me like you're speaking on a lot of things that you don't sound like you're overwhelmed by it. No, no. And the great thing is that with the coaching and, and with the, the accountability coach, you can actually say, okay, I'm going to put this on the back burner. And normally without her being telling me that it was okay for me to push this to next year, I would have tried to fill that in and add the next thing and add the next thing. And it's tough to say no, but sometimes you have to, or sometimes you have to say not now. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. Tell me about Fertile Minds. That's an interesting name. And I'm curious as to the meaning behind it. Well, it started as an idea years ago. Um, I'm a big hiker. I love hiking. And I found out, you know, when I'm hiking, it's a great mind clearer. It, it's, it's great. You just go out and I don't bring it headphones. I just go out and it, it's, it's almost like, a, like meditation for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a big learner. I, I, I love learning new things. I, I read, I listen to podcasts and I started to think, you know, fertile, fertile minds. It, it, that's that'd be a great line where you should be growing your mind, you know, putting the good things in there. Um, you know what they say, garbage in, garbage out. You know, just enriching yourself and by by learning more, uh, putting the right people around you, so that only positive and good things come in. And that's, that's, so I said, yo, let, let me do fertile minds. I like that. I like that. And you spoke to the fact that you like to hike. If I'm not mistaken, is there a picture of you ice climbing on your <laughs> website? Is that a thing? Is that really happening? Yes. Yes. I, I ice climbed. Uh, at one point I was with, uh, my kids were in the, in the Boy Scouts and they made me the, um, the extreme sports uh, coordinator. <laughs> so we, uh, what was happening was with the Boy Scouts, as the kids got older, they started getting away from wanting to be with the younger kids. So we said, let's, let's try something. Let's, let's just do things that are a little bit more their level. So I, I took them, uh, I took them on a five day full pack hike, uh, in the Appalachian trails. Uh, I took them indoor rock climbing and then somebody told me about ice climbing and I'm like, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see how many kids wanted to do it. And we, we got about five, six kids who wanted to do it. And we went up toward Lake Placid and we went ice climbing. That's incredible. That, that, that's such a unique picture. And that was one of the things when I was like scrolling through your website, I was like, is that ice? Is he climbing with ticks? What is going on right now? What is this? It is one of the hardest things I've done because it's, it's very grueling. Yeah. I mean, in that picture, I had my jacket on by the end of the day, I was only in a, a sweatshirt and, and I was ready to take the sweatshirt off because I was sweating. Oh, wow. And plus you're also going fairly high. And even though you have a, a, you know, a guy blaming you. Um, 
it's it's a little it's a little nerve wracking, and I'm not a small guy. At that point, I was about two forty, so that was a that was a that was a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like it. That sounds like it. That's awesome. But I I love the idea of being out in nature. I think that there's so much value in resetting ourselves. Uh, I'm a big go and take. I like landscape photography. So when we go on vacation, I I do the hiking, but not to the extent of just walking through the woods. But I'm looking for places to set up my camera and do stuff. So that's my meditation. I, I feel the same way. I always come back way more refreshed and way more motivated to do things. And my mind's in a much better place. So how often do you think we need to take time to reset ourselves like that? Oh, I'll tell you, if you don't do it at least once a week, I think it starts to add up and you don't need to go on a, a big hike. You don't need to, you know, do extreme sports, even if you take 10 minutes and just go for a walk. Without, and like I said, you know, some people like headphones. Or I, I don't like the headphones because then you start thinking about the music and all. It's really good to just be alone. And I think a lot of people are scared to, to, to be alone because you know, they don't want to face a lot of things that they probably want to face. <laughs> and, but I come back in a, with a clearer mind uh, in a much happier place when I just go and hike and I take my dog with me and he goes on the trail and, you know, we'll, we'll stop somewhere and eat. And sometimes there's not a great scenery, but it's just being out there and just clearing your mind. I think everybody should take some time, even if it's in the beginning of their day and just wake up, have a cup of coffee and sit down and just be alone. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that we're so busy today. Things are happening so fast. We're so married to the technology that we have in our phones that we need that time and that space to just unplug, disconnect and listen to the world a little bit and see what's happening. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's so much value in that. So what I want to do now is I want to give uh, my listeners an opportunity to connect with you a little bit more. Tell me a little bit about what you got coming up. What are some of the things that you're doing and then where my listeners might be able to find what you, what you're doing and where you're at. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, well, they can reach me at, um, at the heycoachrays.com website. I'm also on Instagram on Hey Coach Podcast. Also, my my badge, which was uh, R E Y S six one zero three. That's my Instagram. It's my Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called um, I believe it's uh, Hey Coach Podcast. Uh, I think it's Hey Coach Face Group. That is where. I only put positive stuff out there and a lot of it is sports oriented, but it looks like sports, but when you really look at it, it's, it's part of life. And uh, so they can reach me anywhere there is. I, like I said, I'm putting my book together. I'm not sure where, what, when that's going to land, but um, I'm in the process of doing that. And I'd love to hear from, from anybody and anyone who has any problems or anything that you just want to get off their chest. I'm always, I'm always open to listen. No, that's awesome. I'll make sure all that ends up in the show notes. Uh, Eric, I, I greatly appreciate your time today. It's been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to hear a little bit more of your story since last time we talked, I got to tell you about mine. So this was a nice little change of pace. So 
again, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I tell you, I'm glad that you, you got me on. You're doing some great stuff. I love that, that your edge of greatness. And, you know, I try to connect people with you because you're doing some awesome stuff. Well, I, I greatly you. appreciate that. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. As always, guys, keep reaching for the stars. Fall flat on your face. But remember, whenever we fall, always get up. Thank you for joining us today on the Edge of Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, please take a minute now to subscribe and review our show. Join us again next week as we continue to dig deeper into the key components of greatness. The path to greatness is never linear, so remember to keep pursuing greatness no matter what. Keep stretching your abilities, reach for the stars, and fall flat on your face. But remember, no matter what happens, whenever we fall, always get up. Until next time, I'm Charles Schultz, and this was the Edge of Greatness podcast.